Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. Again, we said that in Matthew chapter 1, verse number 1, basic place to take in this text from. On the book of generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David and the son of Abraham. And then under the subtitle we've been dealing with is the Great White Throne Judgment. We've been able to explain extensively what judgment stands for, what it means. And so we have the main text, which is from Revelation 20 and from 11 to 12. When he says, I saw a great white throne. And uh, so I gave my throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And then uh, verse 12 And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is a book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Amen. These are the main texts we've been considering. And uh, last week we talked about the issue of the judgment, how that God doesn't judge, is giving our judgment to the Son. And we try to make it clear as well that, well, the Son also kind of passed the judgment onto the body, which is the church. Because um, 1 Corinthians 6 tells us that, that we must understand that the church will judge all things, and so, nothing could be too big for the church not to handle if they are going to judge angels. So we may to understand that from the scriptures, whatever thing you want to call the final judgment is going to be anchored by the body of Christ, the church, which is you and I. And again, we made it clear that when we talk about being judged from the books, Jesus happened to be the book, which is the book of life. All other things are just from that book. And we also did explain extensively that we are now the book written that we pen and ink. Second Corinthians 3. Remember that? Praise the living God. Good. We've been written by the Spirit and there's to be judged of all men. So when men looked at us, they can read us. And we said, everything you do, you're opening up a chapter in your book for other people to see and to read. So we can judge you. There's no excuse about that. Because Jesus said, by their fruit, you shall know them. So when we see the fruit, we know who you are. And if we say this, what we see, you can say, don't judge me. Hallelujah. Because he said, by their fruit, you shall know them. So we can know those who are actually in Christ. And we can know those who are not actually in Christ. By way of their character, their attitude, the way they speak, we can tell. That's what the Bible is telling us. Praise the living God. Alright, so we're going to progress this evening. So, what do you call the judgment seat of Christ? So, let's look at Second Corinthians 5, uh, verse number 10. Again. Second Corinthians 5, verse number 10. This is said, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. We must all appear before judgment seat of Christ. And I want you to know this because it's very important. The word says all must appear. 
And the Greek word translated judgment is the word bema. We must all appear before the bema of Christ. Our judgment there speaks of bema. Judgment seat speaks of bema. Bema in the Greek is something like a raise or a steps. It's like a climbing that place now up here. That's what we call bema. So the throne is here where you rest your feet there together. But in true sense, bema is not just describing the issue of positioning. Maybe your feet resting on his stool, sitting on a high throne. That's not basically what he's talking about. He speaks of authority. He speaks of he who sits in the place of authority. That's the essence of that word bema. Not necessarily in terms of the arrangement of the king sitting up on the feet on the full stool or something like that. Praise the living God. Yeah, but he speaks of an authority and the one that is exercising that authority. And you can find the same word in Acts chapter 12, verse number 12. Act 12, verse number 12. If you read that, it says, And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. Now if you look at that word again, that word thrown actually is coming from that scene. But go back to that Second Corinthians 5, like we're saying. So, Second Corinthians 5 begin, verse number 10. Yeah. So here again you find something that I want you to know. Praise the Lord. When we talk about this Bema, we're talking about the nature of the judgment. That's the important thing. The nature of the judgment, who sits on that throne and who is executing that judgment. Not necessarily the positioning, like I'm saying. So, I mean, it's not like we're talking about judgment like you see the chief judge about to judge criminals, something like that. That is not the essence. I mean, that is not the way the Bible is describing this judgment. I'll make you see it as we progress now. But like I said, it speaks of the fact of authority and of the one occupying that seat. That's what he's describing when you say Bema of Jesus. There's something I'll make you see here later. Uh, but I'll need to describe this for you first. But if I may say something before I come to that. It did say we must all appear. It didn't say we must all appear one day. I don't know if you're getting that. That means every man will appear. But it didn't say when. <laughs> so it's not about on the last day everybody lining up on one day. That's not what the Bible says. But that every man must appear. Are you getting that? Right. But anyway, let me give you an example of this sitting I'm talking about. The typical example of the Bema thing is found in Matthew chapter 23. Let's look at verse 1 and 2, if possible. Hallelujah. Matthew 23, 1 and 2. Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples. And he said, saying, the scribes and the Pharisees sit where? A Moses seat. That's the Bema. They sit in Moses seat. But what is that supposed to mean? Where was Moses seat? Moses seat speaks of the law. So these people were exercising the law on the people. 
So they were sitting on Moses' seat. So Moses had a seat. Meaning Jesus has a seat. Is everybody getting the sense now? Very good. So what was the seat of Moses? The law. What should be the seat of Christ? The spirit of Christ. By which he judges now. Are you getting that? So he said every man should appear before the judgment seat. We are not looking at one one throne somewhere that everybody have to walk into. Otherwise, where was the seat of Moses? But he said the scribes and the Pharisees they were using the law to rule the people. That's what he's saying. Are you getting that? So what do you use to rule the people in Christ? The Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit. Amen. The government of Christ is through the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Just as the law was the authority of Christ, the spirit of Christ is the authority of Christ. So the scribes and Pharisees, they were sitting on Moses' seat, executing judgment, judging the people. Are we still here? Now you can understand also why the Bible talks about, I don't know if I'm going to touch that, but let me see. I should just progress. So verse 3 now say, All therefore whatsoever the bid you observe, that observe, do not, but do not, do you not after their works, for they say and do not. So they were using the law of Moses to rule the people. Their governing power was through the law of Moses, and so they were sitting on Moses' seat. But there was no physical seat. So if you, Moses never had a physical seat, there is no way you're going to have Jesus having a physical seat. Are you still following this? Now, you cannot see why the Bible says you shall judge the world. The Pharisees and the scribes, they were judging the people using the law. So what would the Christian do? The Christian would judge the people using the word of God and the spirit of Christ. Very simple. Are you done? So Moses said, was the authority of Moses, which is the Lord of Moses, that the people were dispensing. Praise God. Therefore, the judgment seat of Christ is what? The authority of Christ by which he surpasses the Holy Spirit with which he judges the people. That's what I'm trying to say. This does give you a simple understanding of what judgment seat stands for. Judgment seat is not a throne. So when you see all of those pictures painted, oh no, Jesus sitting on the wild throne, looking straight at the people. Man, those are just artistic imagination. People don't understand what the Bible is saying. Even though who drew those things, the graphic artists will be of those things. They're just creating impression from what they see. They don't have understanding of what the Bible is talking about. So when we say judgment seat of Christ, we're not talking about Jesus sitting down somewhere, looking straight, everybody lining up, whatever. No, that's not what it means. Am I making myself clear to you? Yeah, what gives you the understanding is just what Jesus said in Matthew 23. That explains everything to you about the judgment seat of Christ. Hallelujah. So when men start thinking that one day everybody's going to line up, no, that's not what he said. We must all appear. Does not say we must all appear one day. We were not born the same day. I mean, if you understand that, some people are already hundred years, some are eighty years, and others. Well, it's not everybody's going to. No, no, no. We must all appear. Everybody must pass through. What that simply means is the Spirit will walk through everybody. Praise God. Hallelujah. So how is this judgment being carried out? Look at again Romans 14 verse 10. Romans 14 verse 10. But personally I love this so much. 
It clears out everything about the issue of the judgment seat. Hallelujah. Romans 14.10 He said, But why does that judge that brother? Or Let me see. Why does that judge that brother? Or why does that say that not my brother? For we shall all stand before what? The judgment seat of who? Of Christ. Hallelujah. Again, looking at this statement very critically, like I said, it didn't say all mankind that has ever lived from Adam to date are going to queue up before the judgment seat. That's not what he said. But he simply said, we all must appear Hallelujah. Are we still here? So, we are not looking at that one specific final day, and as people said, and everybody will not line up on a straight line, stay on the queue. Have you seen such things before? Right. You see the queue? Oh. Now everybody lines up, and then the angel will be opening the books, like, you know how the story goes. That's not what the Bible is teaching. Praise God. We must all appear at any time you can appear before the judgment of Christ. Not that everybody one day will line up. That's not what he was saying. Praise the living God. He simply said, every man must appear, yes. And can either be in different times or seasons. Is that okay? Praise the living God. The key point I want you to know is this. Man will not escape appearing at the judgment seat of Christ. But it does not say, I repeat, that every man must appear one day before the judgment seat of Christ. He didn't say that. But everybody must appear. Is it making sense to you? Right. Everyone must appear. That's what he said. And to be judged of the things that you've done in your body to receive. That is very, very important. But he didn't say we all we appear on one single day on a long queue. That is not what the Bible teaches. But we can appear and we must, every one of us, appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Hallelujah. Can you see, hear me? Alright. Now we know that in John chapter 5 verse 22 The Bible tells us that the Father Judgeth no man But hath committed all judgment To the Son And now As we speak The Bible tells us we have come Unto God According to Hebrews chapter 12 verse 22 Right And he called the judge of all The judge of all Hebrews 12 22-23 Tell you come unto God Who is the judge of all But again the Bible said Judgment will be committed Unto the son I want you to understand this Now In James chapter 5 verse 9 Is something very important That I would like us to see The book of James chapter 5 verse number 9 James chapter 5 verse number 9 Grudge not one against another, brethren, 
lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before where? Before the door. The judge is standing before the door. What door is this? The door of your heart. The judge is standing before the door of your heart. It's just like when you say, I, I mean, the Lord is knocking at the door of your heart. You open and will come in and stop with you. And when you go and do witnesses, that's what you tell people. Isn't it? Yeah. You tell them, yeah, the, the, the Christ is standing before the door. And it's knocking on your door. If you open, it will come in. And so the same principle applies that a judge is standing at the door of your heart. Want to try what is in your heart. If you cannot see a physical man enter into your heart, why do you expect a physical man to judge you? Praise God. Hallelujah. So again we'll read 1 Timothy 5 verse 24. 1 Timothy 5 verse 24. So men's sins are open beforehand, going before to judgment, and some men they follow when after. Isn't it? Right. So that's what I said. It didn't say everybody will appear at the same time. Some are appearing now, some will appear after. Is it making sense to you? Right. So the idea that we all will line up one day, that is not what the Bible is teaching. If some men say we appear now, that means everybody did not queue up at the same time. So there is not like a final day of judgment. No. Man included that in his own teaching. But that's not what the Bible taught. Bible simply said we must all appear. But it is said we must all appear in one day. Why? So many sins are open beforehand going into judgment. Other people sin will come in later. Are we on the same page? Praise God. Yeah. So I'm trying to say this idea that everybody will queue up, will line up one day, and Jesus will be sitting on the throne and judging the people is false. That is not what the Bible is teaching. Otherwise, how was the scribes and Pharisees judging the people? Where were they lining up for the scribes and Pharisees? Because they were sitting on most seats. So where were they sitting on? Where were they lying on? Which street were they conducting the judgment? You see that? Praise the living God. So some men sin are open beforehand going before the judgment. And some men they will follow after. Simply means not everybody will have to be judged at the same time in the same place on a long queue. I need to emphasize this again and again so that it can sink in. Praise the living God. Are we still here? All right. If you read this from, I think, the message translation, it said, The sins of some people are blunted and march them right into court. The sins of others doesn't show up until much later. Right. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So it's not one day thing. That's the thing I want you to get. Praise the living God. And so when we read in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive, notice that, the things done in his body, 
according to that he had done, whether it be good or bad. Now the word I want you to see here now is the word receive. You appear to receive. Emphasis. The word receive is commiso in the Greek. And it means to end. Hmm. Very interesting. That is take care of properly to provide for. By implication, to carry off. As if from harm to bring to receive. Now get this right again. To end. Hmm. What is that supposed to mean? Every man must appear before the judgment seat of Christ to receive. To do what? To end. What is that supposed to mean? It means when you appear before the judgment seat of Christ, something happens. The judgment seat carries off your evils that you've done. It ends your evils. If you appear before the judgment seat, your wickedness ends. And I want you that will take a little breath on that. It means the judgment seat takes care of your sins. I don't know if I'm getting that. Praise the living God. Because as the word receive, that's what it means. When he said to receive whatever he has done. Go back to 2 Corinthians 5. That's what we're dealing with. Verse number 10. Praise the Lord. 2 Corinthians 5, 10. Oh, King James. Go to King James. Leave. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 2 Corinthians 5, verse number 10. That's what I said. Please. Praise the Lord. We must all appear before the judgment seat. 2 Corinthians 5, 10. Good. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that every man may do what receive. That's what I'm trying to emphasize. The things done in his body. According to that he has done, whether it be good or bad. Now the word receive means to end. Hallelujah. So what is that supposed to mean? It simply means everything we do in the body is being judged and taken care of regularly by the spirit of the judge. Anytime you appear before the judgment seat of Christ... The spirit deals with everything you have done and carries them off. Praise the Lord. Every wrong thought, for instance, is brought into captivity to the beginning of Christ and is carried off. That's what the Bible teaches. Hallelujah. Now you can see why every man must appear. The judgment is not outward but inward. Like James 5 we say. The judge is standing where? At the door. It is something that is done on the inside. Not outside. It's not an outward thing. Hallelujah. Are you still with me? Good. This is why we read in Ecclesiastes 12 verse 14. Book of Ecclesiastes 12 verse 14. Just take a look at that. Ecclesiastes 12 verse number 14. It says, For God 
12 14. Ecclesiastes 12 14. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret sin, whether it be good or whether it be what? Evil. So the judgment is inward. It's an internal thing, not an external thing. So now, it's not, it doesn't have to do with you standing and somebody looking at you like a judge or a magistrate and pronouncing stop. That's not what is going to happen. That's not what is happening. The judgment is eternal. And the judge is also an eternity because it's a spirit. Praise the living God. Are you following this? The things that are being judged are the secret things, not even the things you've done outwardly. They are the secret things. That means they are basically the things that are of your heart, your heart condition, your mind condition. Those are the things that are being dealt with by the spirit of the judge. Hallelujah. This is the way Prophet Jeremiah puts this. Second, that's Jeremiah 2 verse 19. Jeremiah 2 verse 19. Look at that. Jeremiah 2 19. Thy own wickedness shall correct thee, and thy backsliding shall reprove thee. Know therefore and see that it is an evil thing and bitter that thou forsakest the Lord thy God, and that thy fear, I mean, fear is not in thee. Say the Lord God of hosts. But what I want you to look at the A part. What did he say? He said, Thy own wickedness shall do what? Correct thee. And the backsliding shall do what? Reprove thee. That means your conscience will be the one that is going to, you know, Paul spoke about this extensively. The issue of the conscience. Even John said the same thing. He said, if our heart condemn us not, then I will write with God. Praise the living God. Are you following me? So, I needed to get this fact right. The judge is spirit. And the things being judged are spiritual realities within your heart. But I am saying it's not a thing that one day everybody will queue up. All the men that have lived from Adam until this hour, they will stand up on a long queue and everybody will begin to be judged. That is not what the Bible is teaching. That is completely religious fable. Praise the living God. So Jeremiah said, Your backsliding heart shall correct thee, your wicked heart shall reprove thee. It is something that is eternally achievable and carried out. For the son, the prodigal son. That's it. The judgment that the prodigal son faced. Let's look at that. Luke 15 verse 17 and 18. Luke 15, 17 and 18. And when he came to himself, he said, How many higher servants of my father's house, I mean, are bread enough and to spare, and are perish with hunger. Look at verse 18. I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. But the seventeen part is a key point I want you to pick there. When he came to himself. Other translations say when he came to his senses. So we say when he came to his mind. In other words, he had his self-recovery. 
from Jeremiah 2. Your wicked heart shall correct thee. Did you get that? Praise the living God. Now, this is the work of the Holy Spirit. A judgment will be carried out. So you find that in John 16. Let's look at John 16 from verse 7. John 16, 7. Nevertheless, I'll tell you the truth. It says, Pity for you that I go away. For I will go not away, the comforter will not come. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Go to verse, the next verse. And when he comes, he will reprove the wall of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. The next thing says, Of sin because they believe not in me. And the next thing says, Of righteousness because I go to my father and what? You see me no more. So the Holy Spirit is what convinces, is what reproves, and is all within our hearts. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And the next thing you see there is verse number 11. And it's of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. Now where is the prince judged? Essentially, it's right within your heart, if you will. Like Jesus, we said in Matthew chapter 12. If I cast a devil with the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come unto you. And then when you look at Ephesians 2, can we look at Ephesians 2 together? Ephesians 2 verse 1 and 2. Where does the prince stay? Where does he reside? Where is he being judged from? And ye had a quicken who were dead in trespasses and sins. Look at the next verse. Where in time pass, you walk according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now walketh where? In the children of disobedience. That is where the joy, I mean, the prince of the power of the air reside. Where does he reside? In the heart of men. So where is the judgment taking place? Within the hearts of men. Are you seeing that? So the Holy Spirit convinced you as a believer of righteousness. Amen? He convicts the world of sin. He convicts you of righteousness. And he judges what? The prince of the power of the air. Wherever it's resided. You have to understand the three workings of the Holy Spirit. He makes the world to understand what sin is. So that they can believe in Christ. That having believed in Christ. He makes you to understand what righteousness you have. Right now in Christ. And then the next thing is. If you have the spirit. Which is the prince of the power of the air in your heart. He judges that. In fact it's cast out from your heart. So judgment is within your heart. It's not something external. It's something eternal. And it's all carried out by who? By the Holy Spirit. I wish it together. I'm making sense to you? So then. We are not waiting for one specific day. Of judgment in the future. Hence if you contact for instance. HIV AIDS. Because of your lifestyle. You don't have to wait to some future date. For your body to get into corruption. Judgment takes place. Because of what you have picked. Because of promiscuous life. Is anybody getting that? Yeah. The Bible said. You report yourself. God is not mocked. Did he say that? Because of Galatians. Galatians 6, 7. God is not mocked. Look at Galatians 6 verse number 7. Praise God. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man swear that I also reap. If you are a smoker, keep on smoking. You got no problem. But your liver, your heart, everything will suffer for it. 
That's what you read. Because of your lifestyle. You are a drunkard, your kidneys are dying. <laughs> Praise the living God. Are your sins forgiven? Completely. But you're paying for everything you do. Amen. Praise the Lord. You overfeed yourself. What happens? You know what I'm saying now. Have you tried it once? You ate and you were tired and yet we see it. Huh? You punish yourself. You can talk to food poison. God is not marked. You reap whatever you sow. It's just right there. Hallelujah. Are we see here? So, the other day I was reading about this, um, one of the Nollywood artists, a very fantastic guy. And he came to the place where smoking and drinking and womanizing drenched his life. Completely. You're not saying, did God forgive him? God forgive him everything, if you will. But God did not forgive the effect of drinking in your body. You reap. Is that okay? You just take it in. You smoke cocaine, anything, you are going to reap the benefit. Your body will tell you that now the real judgment has come. So it's not a question of, I mean, you don't deceive yourself. Praise the living God. Are we still here? So we have been judged receiving in our bodies more of his life or the dead based on the way we live. When he said that we may receive everything in our bodies, whether it be good or evil. It's very simple. You engage in alcoholism, your body will show for it. Praise God. So literally you suffer many things because of your lifestyle. But in Christ, your sins are forgiven. Praise the living God. So now you understand what it means by we all must appear before the judgment seat. Not that one day we all, no, that's not what he said. But we all must, by implication, the Holy Spirit must definitely do something in your life. It is going to convict you of sin, or convince you of righteousness, or judge the prince of the air that is resident in your spirit, by which you do the things you do. They must be judged. No excuse about that. Praise the living God. So now is the judgment of this world. According to the book of um, John chapter 12. Let's look at that again. John chapter 12. Hallelujah. What did he say in the book of John chapter 12? No, go to verse 31. I would like us to read from... If I look for 28, let's take it from verse 28. John 12, 28. Father, glorify thou neither son. Maybe I'm going to go back again. Go to 26. There is something I want you to see here. Anyone who wants to be my disciple must follow me. Go to King James, please. Go to King James. You are reading right. If any man serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there also my servant be. If any man serve me, he with my father honor. Now when he said this word, it's important for you to understand. 
First of all, when he says, Where I am, there my servant will be. Where is he? If you go back to chapter 24 of the book of John, you'll be able to get the answer. When he told Nathaniel or Philip, one of them, if you don't believe in the things I'm doing, believe that the Holy Spirit, which is the Father in me, is the one doing the whole thing. But beside that, he said, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. So when he said, if you serve him, you'll be where he is. Where is he? He is in the Father. Meaning, in your serving and follow him, you become one with the Father. Praise the Lord. Okay? Look at the next thing. And he said, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I where? Into this hour. What was that supposed to mean? It was not about going to the cross. Is that okay? It's not about going to the cross. His mind was troubled. His soul was troubled. That's why he's praying this prayer. Look at the next thing. Father, glorify thou now thy name. Then come there a voice from heaven saying, I both glorified it and will glorify it again. The next thing says, The people therefore that stood by and heard it said that it thundered. Others said an angel spake to him. They were confused because they could not really be able to understand the voice that spake unto Jesus. Is that okay? What's the next thing that follow? Jesus answered and said, This voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. Praise the living God. It came because of your sake. Alright. The next thing says, Now is what? The judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be what? Be cast out. From where? From the heart of man. Hallelujah. That is why when people tell you that well, the prince of this world which is called the devil was up in heaven as an angel, as a musician. That is one of the greatest religious lies you can find. There was never anything like that. That Lucifer was an angel, therefore he was a musician up in heaven playing music for God and then he got to a place one day maybe music entered his head maybe he drank too and then he just said no I'm going to dethrone God I'm going to, I'm going to send God out of the throne I'm going to take over the throne what a cheap way of interpreting the word of God hallelujah when he mentioned throne in the book of Isaiah 14 he was saying I will sit above the throne he, he was saying he want to rule the children of Israel the throne to the north side. The north side speaks of Mount Zion to the north side. I want to rule over Israel. And that was Nebuchadnezzar, not a devil. Hallelujah. This prince of the power of the air has always been in the heart of man. Right from Genesis 3, that is when he entered into the heart of man. When Adam and Eve partook of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Because the devil deceived them. And of course in Genesis 3 verse 1. The Bible refers to Satan as a beast. There is nowhere in scripture that the Bible referred to Satan as an angel. It's not found anywhere. Somebody was asking this about Sir David. But what about said? He said the devil disguised. When you disguise, are you the real thing? No. He said, disguised as an angel. This guy doesn't mean he's the real thing. You can't say Jesus Christ is a lion 
But the Bible says, as a roaring lion, right? Even the devil is revealed a roaring lion, but he's not a lion. Jesus is a lion of the tribe of Judah. That's what the Bible says. But the devil like a roaring lion. The devil is not a lion. He acts like a lion. In other words, he acts like Jesus. Praise God. But he has never met Jesus. In fact, the scripture tells us precisely in John chapter 8, I think 44, he said, you are like your father the devil. For he lied from the beginning and there's no truth in him. So when was he an angel? The church made him an angel. Not the Bible, not God, not Jesus. Are you getting what I'm saying here? And so when he said, now is the judgment of this world, what is that supposed to be? It's supposed to cast out the devil from where? From the heart of man. So that God will have his own throne established where? In the heart of man. So in John 12, verse 28, when he said, if I cast out devil by the Spirit of God, then what? The kingdom of God has come unto you. And when the kingdom comes unto you, what happens? The king will sit in his kingdom. Is it making sense? This is just what the Bible is teaching. But man will want to fabricate his own story because they can't diligently study the word of God and then they make the, I mean, they make the devil an angel. Nowhere that the Bible said the devil was an angel. Not in the Bible that I have been reading. It's not found anywhere. Praise the living God. God ever created him as an angel at any point in time. He was never in heaven with God at any point in time. That's human stories about what they can't interpret from the scriptures. And the first person that actually translated Isaiah 14 verse 14 to be an angel was Origen. Alexandra. He was there. Right? It's not in the Bible. Anywhere. Remember in the book of Luke, we don't have time to read all of it. But remember in the book of Luke when the disciples went out and they came back. What did they say? We saw Satan fall. He said, even the devil was subject unto us. Remember that? If you look at John and take that story, you understand. Then he was proceeding to where? To the cross. Okay. So he said, they came back 70. I said, the devil was subject unto us. And Jesus turned around and said, I saw Satan fall like what? Lightning. So if he fell one time ago, which one now again? That means he fell twice. If he said he fell before, long time ago, in Isaiah chapter 14. Are you getting that? Now Jesus is just telling us again before going to the cross, I see Satan fall. So how many times did I be falling? You see that? Praise the living God. Satan fell once, and where he fell from was the cross. When he said, now the judgment of this world. He was talking about going to the cross and once he gets to the cross he releases the Holy Spirit then Satan is bound. Judgment came on Satan. Right on the cross. Praise the living God. Come on, is anybody following what I'm saying here? So this is the point. Now when the Spirit comes into your life judgment begins to take place. It deals with anything that is not of God. It convicts you of anything that is not of God. You're passing through the judgment. On a daily basis, you're passing through the judgment. You're taking some decisions. I discovered that this decision does not glorify God. This decision will not help me. You're changing your mind about that decision. That is judgment taking place. That conviction coming to your heart. That is God reproving you. Hallelujah. Just like saying, your wicked heart shall correct thee. Your evil backsliding heart shall correct thee or reprove thee. That's just what he's talking about. So when the Holy Spirit comes into your heart, and anytime you're trying to do something, 
same thing there's a restrain in your life from doing it you're passing through judgment god is removing those things that were supposed to make you to do the things that are not right in his sight praise the living god but the good news like i said for every one of us is nobody on the face of the earth that will not appear before who the judgment seat of christ and don't forget the judgment seat is not something like you know a throne and somebody sitting on it no when you talk about a throne you're talking about authority you're talking about power Amen. And that's why we find that in mighty 23, the scribes and the Pharisees, they were sitting on Moses' seat. How many of you remember that? Praise the living God. Come on, are we together? Now let me show you something. At the mighty 19, uh, I won't know if it is 28. Let's look at something there. Mighty 19, let me see uh, if that's what I'm intending you to pick up. Mighty 19, um, Jesus made a statement. In fact, Peter came, asked Jesus a question. You know? And uh, the question was like, we have been following you, so what's going to be our reward? Right? Look at verse 27. Matthew 19. 27. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have followed all, and f- I mean, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? Where's our reward? What's the next thing? And Jesus said unto them, Very I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, glory to God, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon the twelve thrones, judging what? The twelve tribe of Israel. Praise God somebody. So when is the regeneration? Title 1, look at verse 3. If I'm right, let me see. Go with me, title chapter 1, verse 3. Let me see if that's what I, I needed. Um, no, no, okay. Titus 3, let's look at Titus 3. Let me see. 3 verse 5 maybe. Let me see if that's what I want. It talks about the regeneration. I need you to get that. Okay. Hallelujah. Titus 3 verse number 5. Look at that. Okay, go back again to verse 4. Let's look at something. But after that, the kindness. Okay, sorry. Look at verse 3. Verse 3. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish. Please follow this. Disobedient, deceived, and serving diverse laws and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hatred, and hating one another. Sometimes, glory to God. Go back now and say. But after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior towards us, appeared. What's the next thing? Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of all, the regeneration and renewing of all of the Holy Ghost. So when he said in Matthew 19, verse 27, 28, when I'm sitting on my throne, you also will sit on your throne at the time of the regeneration. What time is that? Right from when the Holy Spirit came down was the time of regeneration. So Peter and the rest of the people sat on the throne of Israel, judging the children of Israel. Because every tribe, when he said tribe, tribe, he's speaking about all the twelve sons of Jacob. Is that okay? Right. You should judge what is that supposed to mean. When Peter starts speaking on the day of Pentecost, he was passing judgment on the people. Did it make sense to you? So, Jesus, I mean Peter, right from, Jesus, matter of fact, sat on the throne of his father David, right from when the Holy Spirit came down, and Peter and the rest of the people, they became judges in Israel by reason of what? The Holy Spirit. As they were declaring the word of God, they were passing judgment. And even now, as we are speaking, they are still judging because we are referencing them. He said, when you go to court, 
the lawyer will quote a page and say, according to this law, according to what this um, chief justice did, and this judgment by the chief justice. Are you following what I'm saying now? They're making reference to record, past record, to bootstrap of their cases. So anytime we quote, we say, according to Peter, what are we saying? Peter is a chief judge, and the note with which he used is what we're now using to pass judgment on the people. Just like the scribes and Pharisees were passing judgment by the laws of who? Of Moses. So, even though they are dead, they are still speaking as judges because of the book that they wrote. Is that making sense to you? Praise the living God. So, here the Bible says, By the regeneration we are saved. And Jesus told them, At the time of regeneration, when I'll be sitting on the throne of my father, you also will sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribe of Israel. And now we know Title 3, verse 5 tells us the time of regeneration or the time of the Holy Spirit. So when on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came. That was the time of regeneration. So all of them moved up to become what? Judges in Israel. Praise the living God. And how were they judging the people? By simply declaring what? The word of God. Just like the scribes and Pharisees were declaring the word of God. So the same shall judge the world by influence of the Holy Spirit and by the word of God which has given to us. Every one of you sitting and listening to me, you, you are what? A judge. If you're walking under the influence of the Holy Spirit, anytime, anywhere, you are a judge. That's why he said, can't we judge these simple matters in First Corinthians chapter 6? Hallelujah. Come on, is anybody following what I'm saying here? I need you to understand it, that judgment is not one day when the whole people will line up and queue up somewhere. No, no, no. Every day, you somewhere, somewhere along the line, you stand at the judge. But by the life you live, and by the things you say, according to the word of God, as influenced by who? By the Holy Spirit. Now, shall the prince of this world be what? Cast out. Praise the living God. The judge is casting out judgment or passing judgment on the prince of, the, of this world. Where? In the heart of man. So when you preach a message, men converted. When you preach a message, men repent. When you preach a message, more of God's life coming to the life. What are you doing? You passing judgment on the prince of the power of the air that is resident where? In the heart of the people. And then they are receiving life from his presence. Praise the living God somebody. Get the whole thing right. We all must appear before who? The judgment seat of Christ. And it's not a location. And it's not a one day event. Amen. Praise the living God. And as you are judged. And purged. By the prince of the air being taken away from your heart. And the Holy Spirit coming into your heart. Jesus sitting in your heart. You are also becoming a judge. For like he said here. Peter. You are all going to be judges. Over the tribe, tribe of Israel. At the time of the regeneration. And that is the time of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit came. They became judges. And right now. When the Holy Spirit comes to you. You understand the mind of God. What are you becoming? You becoming a judge. Praise the living God somebody. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.